Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. I sent out 63 in-mails through LinkedIn a few weeks back and received only two responses. My mistake, I did not tailor the message to the individual. Now, eight months ago, those same messages were getting about, on average, about a 52% response rate. So what happened? Well, with all the noise fighting to get people's attention, it is easier than ever to get ignored. So when the messaging you send seems way too common or anything like a templated message, you will fail, as I did. Now more than ever, the language you use when reaching out to prospective employees matters. And thoughtful messaging designed to align with a person's personality style is the most effective way to win-win a response. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders, like our guest today, Mr. Greg Skalut. Greg is the co-founder and CEO of Crystal Knows. Now, Crystal is the app that tells you anyone's personality. Using artificial intelligence, Crystal accurately identifies a person's motivations, communication style, and other behavioral traits. Greg and his company have been featured in Inc., Fortune, CNN, Fast Company, MIT Technology Review, Wired, and The Guardian. He is the co-author of a book published by Wiley in 2019 called Predicting Personality, Using AI to Understand People and Win More Business. He was recognized by Forbes as 30 under 30 in enterprise technology, which is what makes Greg a perfect expert for today's topic. Greg, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Hey, Rick. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Yes, it's great to have you. And I'm pleasure to talk to you because, man, I just had a big epiphany and blow up moment last few weeks in, in my recruiting efforts, realizing that my cleverly written messages are now crap. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a frustrating one. That yeah. is for sure, especially when it feels like they worked before. Why not now? Exactly, exactly. So today we're going to discuss why people are not responding to your outreach, especially with all the jibber jabber out there. And then we're going to talk about how to get people to pay attention when you reach out to them. Sound like a plan? And that sounds fantastic to me. It's a great topic. I think both for, for it's going to be fun for us to talk about, fun for the listeners, it's going to be good across the board. So let's talk about the challenges today. I mean, I just told you my problem, and I think a lot of people are experiencing it right now because there is a feeding frenzy for talent. Everybody's trying to find good people. And now we have a situation where everybody is emailing the crap out of everybody else. LinkedIn messaging is probably through the roof. I haven't looked at the data. Maybe you have, but it's crazy. It's funny because this is not necessarily new, and we thought it's been getting worse and worse over the last few years in information overload. It has just, since COVID and with the like kind of explosion of creating more content, very heavy focus on digital communication, any amount of information overload we thought about in 2019 is now just dwarfed compared to what we're experiencing today. So I don't think it is your fault that the emails that made total sense a little while ago are now suddenly making a lot less of an impact. It's definitely something we're seeing. I think to sum it up in general, it is just tougher to get people into the top of the funnel from a candidate perspective. Making that initial cold outreach, getting somebody to respond, 
that was easier when there were fewer pieces of outreach and the stakes for personalization were less high. The game seems to have been changed quite a bit, especially in this post-COVID era. And that's, I think, what we need to be digging into today. Yeah, definitely. Well, I will tell you that from a personal experience, I went back to the drawing board over the weekend and rewrote four different versions of every email and had it mapped out to different personality styles. So as I'm starting to kick it off, I'm getting better response rates. So that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> uh, even anecdotally, that, that, that makes a ton of sense, especially as you think about emails and, and cold outreach emails. And we've always thought about, okay, we need to be personalizing with like basic variables, talking, getting the person's name right, getting their company name right. The basics, the fundamentals that you can't even bother without that yeah. cold email. It, now, as you kind of think about the second or third layer of personalization, it's does the email speak to who they are? Are we writing and communicating in a way that that person wants to communicate? And I think this is where this is a big mental shift for a lot of people. The email that I would really enjoy reading might look very different than the email that you would enjoy. And if I'm in a recruiting role and I am reaching out to candidates, not surprisingly, each of those candidates might have a pretty different preference on how they like to communicate. And as a result, the type of email that would really resonate with them and perhaps generate a reply and the one that's most likely to kind of quickly get, get archived. Yeah. And I like to use humor in a lot of my emails to break the ice and get them to at least read mm. it. I just think that doesn't even work as much as it did before either. Again, as soon as six months ago, because six months ago, I was getting pretty strong response rates. Yep. And, and again, when we think more about personality, something that we're going to talk a bit about today, there are some people where a funny email makes a ton of sense. And there are others that that is not at all how they like to communicate. And yeah. they, when they hear that, they see, oh, this person is not really serious. This opportunity isn't really serious. I'm going to look past it. I think this becomes particularly challenging when we have a lot of passive candidates. I think we are now sending more outreach emails to passive candidates than ever before. And there is just, especially when those passive candidates are getting an influx of this outreach, there just isn't a ton of incentive to take action if that email feels like a templated email. When we are talking about candidates getting, if you've got five or 10 emails on a daily to buy daily basis, I know software engineers in my network that are getting those. I mean, that is nuts. That is a lot of outreach. If that email isn't talking to that candidate really specifically, it's too much work to sort through it. And I think it's too much mental load for a candidate to take on. They're not going to bother. I'm getting 10 to 15 pieces of spam outreach on a daily basis. I call it spam because it's usually try somebody trying to sell me something, right? But that's just through <laughs> LinkedIn. Because you're sending it too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> and, but actually, Rick, yeah. I mean, here's an interesting point. Where is the line between a like authentic cold outreach email and spam? And interestingly to me, spam is created in mass. There is no concept of thinking about me. It is a spray and pray, send it to a big list and throw guns to the wall and see what sticks. Versus somebody actually puts the time into researching me, figuring out my contact info, writing a cold email. That's where it starts to leave spam. And then like where we're kind of going today, if they take it to the next level and really personalize it to how I want to be spoken to, I feel like we're really leaving the spam zone and entering a more authentic piece of communication. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't consider my outreach spam because of the fact that I do personalize it and I do yeah. try to identify an actual what's in it for me scenario, mm -hmm. like right off the bat. And it's not just a general, hey, buddy, let me tell you about our product. <laughs> I feel like most of the, the messages you get 
we have this great company, this great product, and you have to come talk to us. Like get a hundred of those a day. I use two methods of delivery. I use LinkedIn, which I feel is pretty much dead for the most part, because a lot of people don't have their notifications turned on for LinkedIn messaging. Most people don't, unless you're using LinkedIn as a tool on a daily basis, you're not going to check your LinkedIn if weekly. So you got a challenge there, but then you also have the challenge with email, just being completely inundated with stuff. It's just, there's noise everywhere we turn. I mean, I remember when I was in college, I had this personal challenge for myself of getting to 500 LinkedIn connections. And so, you know, it says 500 plus on LinkedIn. Then that was a big deal because each of those connections were someone I actually knew. There wasn't this concept of 20 connections a day if you're a, you know, have a senior title from people that you've, you have absolutely no clue who they are. That is a new phenomenon, at least in the last few years to decade on LinkedIn. So no doubt about it, LinkedIn has gotten noisier than ever and ditto on email as well, which is scary because these are the main channels in which we could reach candidates. So it's giving some great insight to where the like information overload is happening. It's no doubt it's because our biggest channels are, are clogged. Well, there's one method that we're not talking about, which is text. And so the challenge with that is you can't send a very lengthy message. It's got to be something that's one or two sentences that's, boom, impactful right off the bat. That is an interesting channel. The same rules apply on both if and how we text somebody based on their personality and communication style. That is quite a variance between how I might text person candidate A and candidate B. That's yeah, very true. Are you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stretchsearch.com. There you'll find a link to order Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your guide to finding the most effective talent for your company. Our guest today is Greg Skalut. He's the co-founder and CEO of Crystal Knows. We're talking about messaging. We're all having challenges with people getting back to us, even to the point where people just aren't showing up for interviews. I'm part of EO. I don't know if you're an EO or not, but man, in our forums, a lot of CEOs are sharing, you know, people are just scheduling interviews and they're just not showing up. That is brutal. We have seen a little bit less of that, but plenty of candidates. And I've heard it from plenty of peers that that is happening. So that's definitely not just you either. Yeah. We have just generally found the recruiting cycle is so much more compacted. We have, instead of maybe running through a two-week process, we have realized, whoa, if we don't move on the round two, round three, the day after the candidate is in talks with multiple companies and they're making an offer so quickly, we're going to lose them if we don't move very fast. So just the, the, the pace and cycle time of the recruiting process has just been compacted. And I think if you if you don't do it, you're at risk of people dropping out really quickly. I totally agree. However, which is creating a bad feeding frenzy because it's not, not great. Yeah, no, I, it's not ideal. <laughs> but what the result of this is going to be is that a lot more people are taking offers based on the transaction as opposed to whether or not it really is going to support where they're going to go in their career. That's going to be problematic. There's hiring managers that I think are moving faster than they should and maybe not dotting their I's and crossing the T's, skipping reference checks, skipping test project in order to make it go faster. And that is a dangerous road to be going down. I feel like everything starts from your first point of contact, the messaging, how you set everything up. You brought up a great point where people are not dotting their I's and crossing their T's. They're also not doing the diligence before they bring somebody in for an interview to support whether or not that person's even aligned for the organization. 
All right, so let's talk about how we solve this problem. Let's talk about messaging. We talked about what the problems are, but how does one effectively message people and have a better chance of getting response? I definitely have some bias coming from this personality side of things. There are definitely plenty of layers that anybody sending out messaging needs to be thinking about. The topic for today, and something that's definitely an interesting layer, is around somebody's personality. And in particularly within their personality, their communication style how they like to write, how they like to be talked to, the things that are most motivating to them, that are things that are the most energizing to them, things that are most draining for them. If we have a better understanding of that, and especially recognizing that everybody has a different style there, we can, in a relatively straightforward way, craft different templates and messaging that we might use for different candidates of different personalities. Okay, so we're talking about DISC, basically. We are. So there's so, there's a lot of different personality frameworks out there. DISC is one, it's been around for a long time. It's what you know, crystal art technology is based on. It's particularly applicable in a professional context. A lot of large and small organizations across the world use DISC. DISC, it's a four-factor model. It stands for dominance, influence, uh, conscientiousness, and steadiness, excuse me. And each of those categories kind of represent a set of personality traits, a set of behaviors and traits. Most people land in multiple of those categories. So you can be a, and, and we use the D, I, S, and C in DISC as initials for each of the types. So you might be a D, I type, which means you have a bunch of the traits of a D or dominance, and then a, some of the traits of an I influence. I think that's most entrepreneurs. We're all high DIs. <laughs> there, there's a lot of DIs. We, we'd be careful not to overgeneralize because there's sure. plenty of uh, Cs as well, Ss across the board. And, and none of these personality types are better or worse than another. They all have different strengths and blind spots. There's all areas where they really excel and areas where they struggle. Ultimately, when we're building a team, we tend to want to have a mixture of everybody yep. um, because they all balance each other out. It's diversity. That's right. We joke, if you have a room full of Ds and the D personalities and dominant, these are, and by the way, this is, I think both of us have a bit of D. This tends to be fast-paced, assertive, goal-oriented, naturally want to take charge in, a, in an emergency. Really important traits. At the same time, that D personality can also be impatient, overly aggressive, sometimes moving so fast, uh, not giving people enough time to better understand what they're doing. The strengths and the blind spots. So we joke, if you have a whole company full of Ds, They'll move really fast. They'll get a lot done, but they're probably going to kill each other. It, it'll, it'll, it'll be a disaster. So you, you need to have some S's to balance them out. And you're probably going to miss a lot. It, because of those blind spots. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So DISC, when we understand DISC, I almost like to think of DISC as a new language that you become fluent in. Once you become fluent in this language of DISC, we can start to think about who we're communicating with based on what their DISC personality type is. And then some really simple tweaks we can make in how we communicate with them that's going to make it more likely that our communication, our messaging, as you said, is going to resonate with them and, and ultimately, in an authentic way, break through because we're talking to them the way they like, the way they appreciate. That really makes an impact. And by the way, a lot of companies use this for how to lead and manage their employees. Why I always find it gets dangerous is when companies use it as a measuring stick to hire people. They think that they need a high DI for a specific role when really like there's people who are high S's and high C's that are probably better for that role than, than that high DI. Using it as a yardstick for sure is where it gets dangerous and where we always push people to avoid. I think where DISC can be really impactful in, the, in a hiring process, one, we're talking about today how we communicate with candidates even you know, before they're hired. And then two, how we think about what behaviors in a role 
are the most important and the most energizing for a candidate. So for example, let's say we're hiring for a customer support role. A really important trait is patience because you are going to be dealing with a lot of upset customers. They're going to be walking through a technical issue. If you're constantly impatient with them, you're going to get frustrated and they're going to get frustrated. Yeah, you don't want a high D in there. Well, so here's the thing. It's not that a high D couldn't physically do that job. Of course, they could rally together and do it. But if that's their whole job all day, every day, that high D is going to get, they're going to go home every day just feeling like their, their gas tank is empty. They're going to be so drained and tired. So what we really have to think if we're interviewing a high D for that role, it would mean that we'd want to be really clear with, hey, here are the expectations for this role. Here are the most common behaviors. I'd want to understand, have you, is that often how you're operating professionally? Do you think this could be a challenge for you? Are there other roles that maybe have different behaviors that might align better with where your natural strengths are? So it's almost designed as a conversation starter. And when we have that conversation starter, it could help unearth clues on if this person is going to be energized in that role. And if they're energized, they're more likely to be retained. They're more likely to enjoy it. They're more likely to be a success in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if people want to do the work and it's what they desire, they're going to naturally be inclined to thrive in it. So how does one learn DISC? This is the good news. It is a language. It's a language to become fluent in. I think uh, you don't need months and months on Duolingo to figure it out. DISC, uh, I mean, to, to most tactical way, um, you could read about it online. DISC is an open source framework. So anybody could read about DISC, write about DISC. Crystal uses DISC for our technology, and we kind of have our own flavor of DISC. Many other companies do as well. Um, we have a ton of free resources about DISC on crystalnose.com slash DISC, D-I-S-C. Uh, overview of the framework itself, a free personality assessment, descriptions of each of the DISC types. There's four core quadrants, and then we actually break it into these 16 subtypes, like a DI is one of the types, and we have descriptions on each of those. So a long-winded answer to lots of reading online is a great way to start. And then there's plenty of folks out there that do training, provide software tools that can help an organization integrate DISC into, into how they operate. And like you had mentioned, there's lots of other assessment tools that actually do the same thing. But in reference to messaging, do I really need to get deep into it other than do I just need to be able to identify this person probably falls in this quadrant? And so I want to tailor my messaging using these types of words. That's a big piece of it. So like with Crystal, lots of people use our Chrome extension on LinkedIn where it We'll scan somebody's LinkedIn profile and then predict their personality type, which is particularly relevant for people you don't know well yet. In that case, the sidebar on LinkedIn is like a treasure trove of content and there's a lot in there. It's almost like an instantly generated how-to manual on how to interact with this person. However, for people that are really fluent in DISC, like myself, for example, I don't even need to read that much of that content anymore. I know it so well. I just glance at the top and say, oh, SC, cool. I know what to do. So as you become more fluent and use it and put it into practice, it starts to become second nature. In the meantime, there's lots of kind of tools, whether online or through something like Crystal, to actually quickly get some tactical insights on how to talk to this person, how to write to them. Okay, um, so I pull up a profile of somebody that I want to look at. Does it actually use the content that they put up on LinkedIn or does it scrape profiles across like all their social platforms or how does it... Yeah, so it's it's actually just LinkedIn and it's just what's loaded on that page. So the core premise of it is, and of course you can take a personality test directly in assessment in Crystal as well. When you take an assessment, you are selecting between groups of words. There's typically like 15-ish questions and you say, 
and each question has four words and you select which of these words is most like me, which of those is least like me. And you do that and that's how we get an assessment result. Got it. With a prediction, what we're doing is saying, what words did someone choose to write about in their resume or their LinkedIn? And how did they choose to describe themselves? Now, they didn't put a ton of thought into each word. So each word doesn't mean that much. But when you combine it all together, when you combine a big text sample of words, that's what gives us that prediction. Okay. That's like a little bit under the hood. So for somebody who doesn't have really any LinkedIn content, it's kind of tough. You're basically going to have to try to just throw four different types of messaging out there and see you're, what you're Unfortunately, you're, you're doing it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Um, and any clue you could get, and, and certainly, no doubt, more VPs of marketing skew DI and more software engineers skew C in yeah. DISC. So there's some assumptions we can make that will like well increase our hit rate. And then as you get better with DISC and you start to have interactions with people, you start to pick up clues based on how they schedule a meeting how they respond to the email, how they're talking. As you become fluent in this, you, you get the clues and can start to adjust accordingly. Okay, so let's talk about the messaging itself. What type of message do I need to be sending to the person in order for them to potentially respond? So think about, for example, a D personality, fast-paced, uh, right to the point. I do not want to send him or her a five-paragraph email with a whole heap of attachments. There is no way they're going to read that. It is a quick hitter line get to the punchline. What is your ask? Way more direct. That's okay. Skip to get to know you. Whereas let's say you're talking to a C personality, you would want to come in much more with, here's the details of the role. Here is a bulleted list of some of the most interesting challenges. C personality typically likes to dig into a puzzle. Here are the most interesting challenges that this person would be solving. For a D, you might say, here's my phone number. Could I give you a call? Or feel free to give me a call. For a C, you might say, I'm available on Monday at 3 p.m. and Tuesday at 6 p.m. Would either of those work for your schedule? Because they tend to be much more regimented. Accomplishing the same thing, but think about how different those two emails are. Asking the same thing, we're ultimately trying to perhaps get on a call with this candidate, but the way in which we communicated both the value of the position, for example, in, in the C, we're talking about challenges they could solve. Maybe in, in the D, we're talking about impact they can make and increasing responsibility they might have down to the logistics of how we're trying to schedule that meeting with a D, here's my number, with a C, here's a couple times that work. And you could keep, we could think about how much we could peel back that onion to customize. That's really good feedback, by the way. So if you're hiring engineers, you probably want to take the latter approach as opposed to a salesperson is going to usually be more D. Yes, as long as we don't take it too far and assume that every engineer is a C. That's where we really want to better understand them, whether it's through predicting their personality, by getting them on a phone and listening to them, um, by if they're later in the stage of a recruiting process, having them take an assessment as, as a candidate. For sure. If we want to just increase our hit rate, no doubt, we will more likely probably do better with engineers with a C style and VP, direct you know, heads of marketing with a DI style. Yeah. We're giving them a, a good place to start if they don't use your yeah. tool. If you're totally. trying to figure it out yourself, that's what you have to do. Man, this is really great feedback. I find on the messaging what has been working and what worked a lot six months ago and also is starting to work again after I rewrote everything and sent about a ton of emails out yesterday in a new campaign was that start with something that could potentially be a pain of theirs. I think that gets them to read on quicker and faster. If you make the email all about you, 
like, hey, we're this company, we do this, and we really want to talk to you for this. It's about you, and it's really not as important to them. And they really don't care because it's another email that's like trying to sell something to somebody. How to win friends and influence people 101, right? Talk about the other person, not talk about you. And the same thing applies with this personality stuff. I love this line. Instead of, you've heard the term, treat people the way you want to be treated, which has good intentions, but there's some flaws in it because the way you want to be treated may be different than the way I want to be treated. So we like to flip it and say, treat people the way they want to be treated. The way they want to be treated is what they care about, not the way you want to be treated, even if you have the best intentions. So both in the type of pain you're talking about, the fact that absolutely you're focused more on them and not you, and you're communicating with them in their preferred style not yours. So very true. All right, shoot, we're getting pretty close on time. Greg, what would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that can plug into their business today? Big ones to hit on. Really think about how to use personality insights to break through that noise that we've been talking about when emailing a candidate cold. If you have somebody, whether this is in an email or, or even on the phone or video, right, adjust how you're pitching a role based on that candidate's personality. Defeat the Features of a role that I would talk about for a C personality are wildly different than what I'd talk to a D personality about. Adjust those. It's the same role, but we're highlighting the pieces that they care about rather than what we consider good. And then finally, in general, DISC has been one of the most impactful concepts that I have implemented both personally and professionally. And it's why we ended up <laughs> turning it into a company. So really think about how you can integrate DISC into how your organization thinks about communicating and thinks about interacting with people. And the biggest opportunities to do that are within a hiring process, within how we sell, and within how we build really effective teams. So Rick, I'd say, I'd say those are the big ones. Yeah, most definitely. And those are great takeaways that people can plug into their business today. So thanks, Greg. Thanks so much for your time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, Crystal Knows, all that good stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So Crystal, it's a Crystal Knows, K-N-O-W-S.com. A ton of resources there, a ton of free content around DISC. Try all of our products, create a free account, lots of things to play with. And then me personally, I do some blogging. You can find my personal website. It's my last name, Skloot, S-K-L-O-O-T.org. There's also a contact form there to shoot me an email. Would, would definitely love to hear from anybody and keep talking about this stuff. Awesome. Now I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballen, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. After all, we're uh, working hard to make this content relevant and useful for you on a daily basis. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Craig Conley. Craig is the executive advisor and former VP of sales for Booze Hamilton. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Giraud.